Welcome to Parenting from the Inside. This is a new podcast for parents with you. Who are you, Anna? Hi, I'm a IFS trained family therapist from Denmark. Who are you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm Joel Bubbers, IFS informed coach from the UK based in Italy. And we are here talk about parenting and IFS and other things like attachment and new Danish parenting. But we wanted to say why we are focusing on parenting and IFS. Yeah. And this is our main focus for this first episode. So for me, it's about, it's about IFS giving us a way of understanding ourselves and our children that is different from maybe what we've always known. So it's about choosing who we want to be rather than just repeating the behaviors, mm. the patterns that we were given and that we've always just applied without perhaps questioning. And it's about helping us understand our children as they develop, giving us a lens to help bring some meaning to the craziness of parenting. And IFS is, in my experience, just unique in its ability to do that. Yeah, it is really about finding that there's that always meaning in, in whatever madness we have in our families or in our inner families inside of ourselves. So there's always a good reason for it. And instead of trying to fight it, we can actually be curious about it. And, and that can help us do something else. So it's a new way of, of understanding ourselves that's very full of love and compassion that's not forced to be there, but it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. So this so we really, we really, I think it's fair to say we both really believe in the potential of IFS here for for helping parents live better lives and for helping their, yeah. their kids. Should we say a bit about why we're here? What's motivated us to do this? Yeah, so for me, so I, I'm a mother of two children. They're 11 and 8 now. And I remember when, when I had my first child, it was just some things were really, really difficult that I didn't know why what I was doing wrong and I started trying to find books about it and they were all trying to give me some model to put down on my kids you know do this and do that and shape their behavior and of course none of it helped and then when I did actually find some some people and some books that made sense for me I still felt like I couldn't do it so I felt even more than before there's something wrong with me here because now I actually know what I'm supposed to do how I'm supposed to be with my kids but I can't do it so just learning through First, through my family therapist education, New Danish parenting attachment, and later also through IFS has really opened up parenting to me and opened up life to me in a way of you are not just shutting down and feeling nothing and trying to correct some behavior. So it's just a very, it's a much deeper way of, of understanding ourselves that can really change both on the inside in the family and society. It's such a big shift for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think my experience is similar. Hmm. I mean, for me, IFS changed my life. I discovered it years ago now through my stepmother. And, you know, it, I really, I really feel like it's, it's the thing that enabled me to build a relationship where I could actually imagine myself having kids. And then that gave me the confidence to actually make all the changes that I needed to make to get to this point. I, my background is in I spent the last 10 years working in international development and in kind of conflict contexts in the Middle East. And I think one of the things I learned as well from that was you know, we spent a lot of time doing programming to help people and, and to try and help people change at some level, but very focused on the mm -hmm. kind of external stuff, you know, like a better qualification here or, or, or more skills there. And while that was and is massively important, I think the learning for me was that there's a limit on how much difference that can make without people doing the work inside because change always comes yeah. from the inside out. And for me, that's the, that's the language that's the inside that IFS has helped to give me. And, and so I'm here to, to try and share that, that experience and that, and that passion with people. It's also about trying to give voice perhaps to daily struggles that, that many parents have and, and particularly men and fathers, you know, uh, mm. I work with, with a lot of guys who are trying to be great dads and it's really challenging. And there isn't often a space where people can ask questions and, all, and also be honest about how hard it can be to be a dad. So I see part of my role of being here is, as being a voice for them. And there's a few disclaimers we have to make, right? Yeah. I think the first one is that we're not experts. 
we know a bunch of stuff, but we're not experts on you and your family. So only take what you can use from it and just throw the rest out. You can also write us if you have anything that makes sense or doesn't make sense. You're welcome to do that. And then it's really important to say we're not representing the IFS Institute. We both have our IFS educations from them, but we don't represent them in any way. This is uh, our own thoughts and, and opinions. So this first episode, we wanted to kind of talk a bit broadly about IFS, right? Give, give, <laughs> some, give some foundations, something that people can come back to as a reference point around IFS and also a bit of a practice around it and some tools because we really want to make this experience as practical as possible, right? Yeah, that's right. Some of you might not know what IFS is. Some of you might know it quite well. So we're going to get into what it is, kind of how, what parts and self are, how to get to know yourself this way. And we're going to do a meditation that you can join if you want to, to experience this a little bit on your own system. Let's start with parts. IFS has this concept of parts that we all have parts. We're not just as we, as we once thought, we're not just one mind as human beings. We have many minds. We have many different conflicting minds or parts. Like a part of me is angry, a part of me is pleasing, they're very reacting to each other, a part of me feels shame about that. But this is the normal way of being human beings. It's not a sign of pathology. Yeah. And that's really important. We all have parts. It's just human beings. And it's such a, you know, Richard Swartz who started IFS, he kind of stumbled into it as a family therapist when he gave up trying to fix his clients because it wasn't working and started listening to them. And they started talking about a part of me feels like this. A part of me does that. It's just kind of a natural. Most people just find that almost like they come home when they realize this. We all feel like this. We all have different parts, different aspects of ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. That feels like takeaway number one, mm. that we all have parts and there's nothing wrong with having parts. It's it's a part of being human, like you said. Yeah, that's right. And the more the more we become aware and notice our parts, the more agency we have to choose how we respond in the moment. IFS means internal family systems. And it's just like we have an outer family system, we have an inner family system. Often our parts are very young. We're gonna to get to that when they're when they're burdened, when they're stuck in the past, they can be very young. They're not always, they can also be be older and that's if you see it as like actual little personalities inside everybody feels parts in a different way we're going to get back to that but some of our parts are very playful and creative and some of them are more vulnerable we have very like managing business kind of parts that really help us get ahead in the world and we have caretaking parts that help us be good parents sometimes if they're stuck in the past they help us be not very good parents but they're doing the best they can and then we have Parts that relax us, parts that numb us, take us on vacation, you know. There's all these different kind of parts inside all of us. And when they're in the natural state, we're like, we're flexible. We're reacting to each other in a, in a kind of present kind of way. So we're not stuck in the past or the present or the future, I mean, and can move in and out of both boundaries and feelings instead of getting stuck in different places. When difficult things happen in our lives, our parts take on burdens. And that's a lot of what IFS talks about, that difficult things can happen and then we, we get beliefs and burdens that say, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, that feel shame, that feel like I'm all alone in the world. And it's not very nice and productive to go around feeling worthless. So our system shuts it down. It exiles the parts of us that carry those burdens for us and holds it down by being very good or something, by being perfect, by not failing. But then when we do fail, of course, we're going to feel that and then other parts are going to numb it. So, so for instance, uh, children left alone to cry, not comforted when they're, when they're sad or very small children that especially not many years ago, it was just normal that they should cry it out, right? When, when that happens, they don't feel safe in the world. They feel like there's nothing to come out to here. The person who's supposed to comfort me, because I can't just regulate my own system, is not there, so I have to shut it off. Of course, this is not conscious, so the vulnerability gets shut off, and we shake off our feelings, and we put on a brave face. And this, in IFS language, is all parts of us that are doing that to protect us. So some parts hold pain, and other parts are holding back, holding down that pain, so we don't feel it. 
Does that make sense? Yes, I think this is sort of takeaway number two. When difficult things happen in our life, whether we're a baby or an adult, our parts take on burdens. And then we can have parts that protect us from from feeling some of the full pain of those burdens. And I think it's important for people to understand, like, as an adult, you're not necessarily going to be aware of the effect of being left alone to cry as a baby. As you were saying, it, it might play out as a part that makes it very hard to feel stuff when something difficult happens, because actually that's how you dealt with it. You're numb just so, so you wouldn't have to feel. You know, I work with a lot of guys, going back to that, who, who are really good at not feeling things. Um, you mm. know, so it can be really difficult. I'm, I'm the same. It can be really difficult to actually allow ourselves to stop and feel and acknowledge pain. We're really yeah. good at talking about stuff, talking about narrative than actually sitting with our own emotions. And a lot of that goes back to, as you, you gave that example of a that will link to an experience we had earlier on in our lives. So just to summarize, the part takes on a burden in often early on, and then other parts come in to help protect us or help us function and as we become older. Yeah, and make sure we don't feel that pain again. That's what they're trying to do, really. And parts take on burdens from trauma. It's both having our boundaries overstepped in small ways and big ways, just being told what we like, what we don't like, being forced to to eat food we don't like, all this bullying, all these things that happen in school and in home, and also not being seen as who we are and not being met when we're upset, not being allowed to have our feelings, not being seen in our feelings. You know, with, with babies and their, and their parents, it's very natural that when the baby laughs, then mom laughs. There's all these things going on between them. And that's how the baby gets to know themselves by seeing the other person. If we don't mirror it back, then the baby will not get to know itself in these areas. And it's kind of the same through life that what we're not met in gets shot off, gets closed down. And that's also trauma. And especially because if it does happen, it often happens throughout our childhoods. So all these places in us get shut down. And that's what gets difficult later on and really hard to see in our own kids. If I was not allowed anger, it's really, really hard for me when my child gets angry. And my child would definitely get angry if I was not allowed to. <laughs> that's going to be bigger because there's so many things going on between or between us as human beings that we're not really aware of. Yeah. And it might be, you said it, I wasn't allowed to get angry. It might, it might be that you weren't allowed, but it might be that I'm just thinking of how people might relate to it. It might be that part of you felt it wasn't safe to be angry. Yeah. Because maybe when I got angry, my mum went silent and I didn't get connection with her mm. for a time or my dad shouted at me or, or whatever. So it just wasn't safe to express emotion yeah, like that. Right. So I had to shut it down. Yeah. A lot of us can relate to yeah. often really complicated relationships with anger in our families and we are growing up. Yeah. So there's many ways when I say not be allowed. I'm glad that you said that because there's so many ways of of not being able to be seen as we are, of having our feelings because we're going to be defined and ridiculed and left alone and yelled at, all these kind of things. Or if our parents are very explosive, of course, anger is also dangerous, right? So trauma, also there is more shock trauma, is often not as much about the actual thing that happens but about how are we met afterwards, both in the situation and after the situation. If you're not being believed, if you're not being comforted, not being able to have your feelings with the other person, that's when it gets stuck inside of you and you have to shut it down. When it can't move through you, it gets stuck. And that's really what, what trauma is. And that's when our parts take on burdens to mm. protect us. Yeah, and it feels like this is important for, for I think it's, important people to really stay with that the idea that actually so much of resolving or preventing the effects of trauma is just by the child being seen by a mm. by a trusted adult like it's That's it's right. not it's not rocket science it, it's just about us being there it can yeah. it can feel so hard when we when we find the child what we think of as like playing out you know being really difficult being really bad mm. <laughs> You know, and, and these impulses to sort of punish because that's what we were, that was what was done to us. But even just staying there, maybe when they're yeah. trying to express anger or sadness or, or upset, just seeing mm -hmm. it there and actually acknowledging their feelings and staying with them through it 
then you're potentially preventing, as you say, the child taking on that burden and parts to protect themselves from feeling that pain again. Yeah, that's right. So it's very simple and it's also really, really difficult because of our own stuff, right? (laughs) Yeah. But that's actually, that's what therapy is too, you know. That's what heals traumas is is the therapist being with you so you can be with yourself. That's what makes the change. Not all this stuff we line up in our heads or the way we figure it out. It's that relationship. That's it. Yeah, and just and hopefully, although this isn't therapy, hopefully if we can draw people's attention to it, that's a starting point through this. Mm. Just getting curious yeah. about what they notice. Mm. So what's the next takeaway? That takeaway number three was that parts take on burdens through trauma. Yeah. Through we're not going to categorize trauma, but through things that you wouldn't normally expect to call trauma. So the really good news in this parts take on burdens. So the really good news in this is that parts are not their burdens. And that's a really big shift, also especially in therapy, because and also in our own lives, there's this thing that I don't like about myself, I want to push it away. But we actually don't have to, and we can't. Right? It's that's a real struggle, that's a lot of energy. But we don't have to, because parts have burdens and they can they can release those burdens when they get that connection, what I talked about before in therapy, they can release that. And they can help us in better ways that we actually find useful in the present. So we are not our parts. We have parts. And parts are not their burdens. And when we're very blended with our parts, it's like wearing glasses. You're seeing the world through that part's eyes, right? I'm sure everybody notices if they're really angry, if they really dislike another person or like all these things that come up. That that's just how you see the world. And then maybe later, or even at the same time, you're also seeing something else. I'm reacting really angrily, and I'm also really ashamed of that, right? There's already two parts at the same time. And I'm just thinking what you were saying there around parts not being their burdens. That's mm. that's that's really important. And maybe just in a kind of an example there so that people can hang on to, like, for example, a really common one with, with a lot of guys is around the part that stops them feeling stuff. You know, they're, they're a part that like helps us just crack on and push harder, work harder, focus harder, you know. And often under the surface, there's some part that thinks that feelings are bad or emotions are bad because maybe as boys mm. we were taught that, you know, it's weak to focus on your emotions too much. And so this yeah, part is brilliant. Uh, actually, I don't have to feel stuff. I'm just going to crack on. And, but the thing is yeah. that, that actually if, if we can become more aware of that and help to heal the part that thinks the emotions are bad then this part that helps us focus and concentrate and push harder can be such a brilliant resource for us you know to go and achieve things and get stuff done and be brilliant in the world and actually in a way that's easier because it's not having to stop us feeling things all the time and that's a a common one i find with a lot of a lot of men but i don't think it's just limited to men no definitely not definitely not and with women there's a whole thing with anger very often that we're not we weren't allowed we have to be sweet you know have to be seen not heard and then i have many mothers in therapy who when they become mothers all of a sudden they get this really strong anger they actually get rage sometimes towards their little babies and there's a lot of shame about that and it's just it's a really good thing that it comes up it was held down before but of course, we don't want to take it out on our kids. So working with that in therapy is, is just incredible because it's both opening you up and helping with your relationship with your child. Yeah. And, and I think as well, like, as you said, like understanding that these parts are they're trying to help us. So not trying to sort of say, oh, I hate this part that just makes me push harder and not feel or the example you gave around mm. makes me really angry, like recognizing that there's a reason. And actually, rather than yeah. sort of try and banish it further or shame it or think, oh, I'm a really bad guy, see that it's trying to help us. These things are trying to help us. Yeah. And that automatically helps us to bring them closer, understand them better, and mm. then start to create more space in the moment to choose. That's right. It's really important to know, we don't always believe it, but to know that our parts always have good intentions. To really know that inside ourselves that even this part of me that keeps tripping me, I keep falling, you know, that that part has a good intention. I shouldn't just get that to go away. It's there for a good reason. And even if we don't have no idea what that reason is, and that part is just ruining our relationship, just ruining everything, there's always a good reason for it. And when we get to know, when we get curious about that part, 
we're going to find out and we can actually help it not be so, <laughs> make so much trouble in our lives. Yeah. And it feels like this is just so fundamental to the idea of like self-acceptance. And when we talk about wholeness, like accepting our mm. self, you know, so, so often it's, we sort of say, oh, here's the parts of me that I don't like. And I'm trying to beat down or push away as much as I can. Actually, no, it's saying these are all part of me and they've all got strengths. They've all got gifts. If I can help them yeah. let go of that burden or that trauma that they experienced or that they're protecting me from, then mm. yeah, we can all move forward yeah. together and be happier. Yeah, that's right. And this self-compassion you're talking about, I know before I learned IFS, that was kind of a thing that I had to try to to get, you know, I had to try to get the self-compassion, you know, I have mm. to like kind of force myself to be compassionate, to like myself. And I just did not like myself, you know, so that was difficult. Yeah. But in IFS, there's nothing like that. You don't have to do that because that compassion is going to come by itself. Yeah. Right. It's already there behind all the parts. Maybe, maybe just say about how that happens. Yeah. So, so just by, by being with your parts, like self-compassion naturally comes up. Just say a bit more about that. Yeah. So this is, this is self. That's what we also talk about in IFS is self. We have parts and we have self. And I see self as the inner parent. And it's not like your parent. It's like the ideal parent. It's the place of being. It's a place we can get to when we when we meditate. So it's more being than doing. And some people related to God, some people related to the greater consciousness or to just the core of us. And that place is naturally loving. No matter the trauma, no matter what happened to you, that place cannot break, but it's, it's hidden away under your parts. And when we're with our parts, they give us space. They don't always want to give us space, but just noticing our parts help them separate just a little bit. And the more we do that, the more that self-energy will be present to be with our parts. So it's not the part of me that gets angry and the part of me that hates the anger that's interacting with each other. Because that's like two kids in a family, right? That's not going to go so well. But when that place opens up in us, even just a little bit, we can be with our parts from that place. And just like our children need to lean into us as parents, our parts can lean into our self-energy. And it's a totally different story. That's like true self-compassion. Yeah, beautifully put. It's, it's so, and, and you talked about some creating space. Hmm. Now, I'm trying to think how, for someone who hasn't done this before, maybe it's, I think they'll get a sense from the practice that we'll do, but it's that sense of bringing curiosity. Just all we've been talking about, just trying to notice, you know, oh, I'm yeah. feeling really angry right now. And noticing I'm feeling really angry right now, noticing maybe there's a part of me feeling something else. Ah, what does it feel like to feel angry right now? That's hard, painful. <laughs> Why do I feel angry yeah. right now? And it's just trying to create that space and that curiosity. And you'll start just inevitably, you start to bring in more of that self-energy that you were talking about. Yeah, that's right. Flow from there. So IFS has the eight Cs, which there's other things than this. That's self-energy, but I'm just going to name them. And one is curiosity. Like you already said, not from your head, not like Sherlock Holmes, but from your heart, like actually being curious. And that's compassion, which is a big one too. Actually feeling like, it feels like parental love in me because it's it's not me blended with the part and, and feeling the same as the part, but being with the part. And then that's clarity and connectedness, creativity, courage, confidence, and calm. I could say a bunch of stuff about all of these. I'm sure we'll get more to that. Right now, I'm just going to name them like that. And like we said, it's, it's not something we have to cultivate. It's not something we have to, to fix or make, put into people. It's already there. And at the same time, it has many layers. That's what I can really see in myself too and in clients. When we begin to work with ourselves, we're in some of the top layers, which is also self. And we can have self-like parts that can both help with this and block with this a bit. But it goes, the more you work with yourself, the more you spend time with yourself in these places the more you get into that deeper self-energy. So our parts are trying to help us. And if they have burdens, it's like we have this thing in Denmark, like our survival strategies from childhood become a suicide strategies. So what saved us once, what made family life possible, what made our parents' love be felt so we could actually survive. That's how serious it kind of is inside a child. That becomes a suicide strategy. It blocks our connection now, right? It give, we, we end up fighting now in our relationship instead of asking for the love we really want, right? We're going to block it instead. So in all these ways, our burden parts are not helpful right now, even though they're trying to be. And there are many kind of 
I mean, there's lots of kind of parts. And, and for parents, some typical parts would be like anger and suppressed anger. And of course, anger is not a bad thing. We're going to get to that another time. But when it's when it becomes rage, it becomes a different thing. And of course, that's that's not helpful. And then there's inner critic. Everybody has this in some way or another. It can be shaming and hitting yourself with a hammer all the time. And so it can be like a really loud voice or it can be like a smaller, more discreet thing. But everybody has that. And then there's perfectionism, which many mothers have this one in different ways too. Yeah. And that can be very rigid. Also in OCD, that can be a lot of perfectionism. That's right. It can be really stuck, right? But it's always just parts. So we can always work with it. Shame. That's both a shamer and shame. Not good enough. I'm not a good enough parent. I'm not a good enough mom. I hear this all the time. It's only me. That's just me. There's something wrong with me. And then projection. That's for everybody too, but also for parenting and in our romantic relationships, it's there's something wrong with the kids, so we have to fix them. Or there's something wrong with my partner. There's definitely my partner that's wrong and I'm right. <laughs> Should not lots of people know that. And then anxiety and racing thoughts is just everybody has anxiety now, right? Like even the kids. Then there's the bad conscience. I have that a lot because I both homeschool my kids and I do a lot of different kind of things. It's like this podcast and work and all this stuff. So when I'm here, I feel bad that I'm not with the kids. And when I'm with the kids, I feel bad all this stuff I'm not doing. So I'm not going to be present anywhere if that part gets all the space, right? And then this caretaking part, that's more like I talked about before. So with the pleaser, being a service or can do everything for our kids that they could actually do and not really having any boundaries. That's some of the typical ones, and there's a million more and lots of mixes between them. Yeah, there's loads, and we'll, I'm sure we'll come across them. I mean, we could give some, some examples a bit, sort of draw out some of what we've been saying here in these takeaways. And just to say, I think, just to set, summarize my list, I think takeaway four was all parts of good intentions. So we don't want mm. to get rid of our parts. Um, it's about getting to know them and hopefully heal, help them let go where they need to let go. Mm. And then takeaway five was like, we all have a self, like an ideal parent, those eight C's that you were talking about. And they just, yeah. they will naturally come up. You don't have to make it happen, but there are things you can do to, mm. to encourage, to encourage self in the moment. So those are kind of our basics that we wanted to share. Should we give a couple of examples? Yeah, because we already talked a lot about anger, but anger is also, I'm sure that's why I get lots of clients too who have issues with anger because I have issues with anger. It's <laughs> often <laughs> no. like that. So I'm not very good at feeling my anger. We can have like primary and secondary feelings. I'm not going to get into that so much. It might be a bit much to talk into that. But but anger on top of something else. That would be sadness. That would be alone underneath, right? And that's not as present as this anger from inside of us, that healthy boundary. So I mostly feel the secondary one. And, and that's really hard for other people to hear that because it's kind of mixed with all this when I was a kid, I would, if I was angry, I would be made fun of. I can't even remember being angry as a kid, but I'm told, especially by my sister, who thinks it's very, very funny still, that I was very angry, that I was slamming my door. And I didn't have like a real door. I had like this kind of folding door. So she thought yeah. it was so funny that I was slamming this door that you couldn't slam. <laughs> <laughs> so so my anger was ridiculed. It was shot down in that way and shamed, right? So as soon as I get angry, I get shame. So if I if I get angry or feel my boundaries with my kids, if I say it out loud, I'm going to say it through this veil or through these other parts that feel like I'm not going to be hurt anyway, right? I might as well give up. Like there's almost a collapse in there. So that's what they're hearing. They're not hearing me. They're not hearing my boundary. And that just makes my part say, oh, we're right. We're not going to be heard here. We're not going to be seen here, you know? It just makes it even bigger and even more. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Nobody's going to see you. You're going to be powerless. And then, of course, with, with powerless, if you're not conscious of it, it's going to turn to power. So then you have to have power over other people, right? Because you don't want to feel that powerlessness. Mm. I'm sure lots of people recognize that too. Like picking up your kids in kindergarten and they don't want to come. They don't want to come with you and you feel really powerless. Then you really have to use your power and they're going to really struggle with that. That's the whole fight there. Mm. How about you? You have any issues at all? <laughs> no, no, oh, actually, I'm totally sorry. Yeah, that was just that was just I was, me. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about how IFS has helped you with the anger. I don't know if we've got time for it. What do you think? Yeah, 
So something briefly around that, yeah. Yeah, I have an example of that when putting my daughter to sleep. I remember sometimes sitting with her and being so tired of sitting there. And then she keeps, she can't sleep and there's something else. And then she wants some water and the cover is annoying. There's all these things all the time. And I get more and more annoyed, right? So one thing I would normally do is speak through that. That part would speak and be annoyed with her. What I do is I notice the anger. That's IFS. So I just, instead of saying, I just close my eyes and I focus inwards. How do I actually notice this anger? For me, it's very physically often. I can feel tightness in my chest. Sometimes we can even feel it in our fists, right? They want to fight. So I just notice it. And what else do I notice about it? Maybe it even has a shape or a color. Maybe I get some thoughts or some some other feelings coming up when I notice it. And then in, in not doing therapy with it, acknowledge that it's there. And that it's there for a good reason. I often will put my hand on where it is so the pot can feel my hand or send my breath to it, and then ask it to, to give me some space. And I promise that I'm going to come back to it, which I will do in therapy, because I know it's important, but that right now I need to be able to be with my daughter. And our parts can do that. They can actually give us that space. So instead of being what I see the world through, it moves to the side a bit, or it tones it down a little bit, and then I'm more present. And, and often people are like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? But when you actually try it, you're going to realize, wow, I yeah. can actually do this. My part can actually do this. And it's something like you've, you've seen it. It's like you, you've noticed that you've given a voice in the sense that part because I see you, I hear you, I notice you, I'm, 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 I'm coming back. Yeah. I really, you're important. That's right. That is, that is the work, right? Where it goes, okay, I'm actually being heard. I don't have to play out what we normally do because she's actually heard me here. That's right. Seeing our parts as personalities, an angry part, for instance, and that part being acknowledged, it can change so much. The part will actually feel relief. It can make such a big shift because it's never been seen like that before. It's been pushed away. It's been hated, even though it's doing so much work to protect you. So that is just, that's even just almost the first layer of it. And that is very healing for our parts in itself. Yeah. And I think we want people to understand, like, I mean, we're going to, we're going to practice this a bit, but like what you're describing can, that can take a few seconds inside, inside your head with some breath and some, and some slowing down. Like this isn't, this doesn't have to be some huge elaborate process. It can take a lot of work to get there. But at the same time, we're not, we're not talking about rocket science. We're talking about something that can happen swiftly and quietly and internally that you won't necessarily notice, but this is doable. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Shall I go? I, I'll pick. I'll. I'll. <laughs> I'll pick one from my long list <laughs> um, of papa parts. And I just mm. want to share with people. I think is. So, if you didn't know me, if you were just a fly on the wall in the room with me, then what you would see this is a set of parts that that come out with my daughter when she picks my wife over me, or mm. when I feel that I'm second choice so it might happen you know she might be wanting to be with my wife at bedtime instead of me or I don't know sure she's frustrated with me for some reason and she wants my wife and and so it comes up around this feeling of not being (laughs) not being chosen by her and and the sort of parts you would see if you're a fly on the wall you probably see me the pleaser we talked about the pleaser come out so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be really fun and engaged so that she likes me again Hmm. the kind of panderer I'm going to pan yeah. her and make her smile, make her laugh, and then I'll know she's okay with me. And then you might see, if that doesn't work, you might start to see some anger coming through because now she's just deliberately trying to hurt me. She's actually saying she really doesn't like me, and, I, and that's painful. So those are the things that you would see. But what I've learned, I guess, from doing, from doing the work is, yeah, this part that carries this kind of this, this, this belief around, um, yeah, just not being lovable enough. And a lot of pain and shame around that. And so it's like becoming a dad was obviously going to press my buttons on this, mm-hmm. on this issue. And this is where we talk about our kids being our greatest teachers, right? Because it's forced yeah. me to get to grips with this one. So if I pick an example around like bedtime with my daughter, mm-hmm. like, you know, one quite recently where she'll be like, no, nah, I don't want you in baby talk. I don't mm-hmm. want you. I want, I want mum. And 
what we were saying before, the part of me that carries the burden of, for whatever reason, feeling it, it's not, it's not lovable enough. And there are reasons for that that we, we don't need to go into here right now. Mm. But then, but if that part carries the burden, then I've got other parts that help protect me from feeling the pain of not being lovable enough and come in. And one of the things I learned was making someone like me, pandering, yeah. pleasing, etc. So I'll start being silly or, or whatever. And sometimes that might work, but then sometimes it might not. And then, mm. and then I can feel, now I understand enough, then I feel the kind of blame one come in. So I'll blame my wife. That's part, I've got a part will come and say, it's my wife's fault. She's been sort of bribing my daughter with love so that she, she likes her more than me or any sort of number of, kind of funny sounding things. Um, basically, it's my wife's fault that this is happening, mm. that my daughter's choosing her over me. And then maybe also then I'll start to get some anger and resistance against my daughter. Actually, she's just trying to hurt me. Mm. She's just trying to hurt me. And so I'm going to be angry with her to kind of protect myself. Yeah. I'm angry yeah. back at her so I can blame her. And I think one thing to say, just thinking about our basics, is that the pleasing fun part, likable mm-hmm. part, the more I can help it let go of some of the, the jobs it has of ways it protects me, actually it's really it's it's a really creative part that's good at having fun. So yeah. it's got a load of qualities that I probably don't use enough because he's having to protect me from other things. Yeah. And and likewise, this the one that blames my wife and carries some anger again can be very useful at helping me stand my ground and be clear where mm-hmm. where there are boundaries so these parts again like you said they have qualities that we can use and for the reasons i've already described they are trying to help me they've got good intentions they're trying to stop me feeling the thing deep down of not being good enough or lovable or whatever and where ifs has helped me is again exactly as you said helping me understand these parts more mm-hmm. And actually helping me in the moment, if I think of this example from a couple of weeks ago, notice I can feel the anger in me. Mm. And it's like my daughter's not this two-year-old girl. She's like, a, she's become something that is really trying to hurt me. And just by slowing down, as you said, and noticing first the anger, mm. and then perhaps the parts that's trying to that really want her to stop and want to try to please her. And then just sitting with that part that, that feels the pain around that of her rejecting me, what it feels like rejecting me. It's literally just saying, I'm, I'm here, I'm here. And this is about my parts. This isn't about my daughter. Yeah. And I'm going to come back and I'm here for each of these parts. I'm not trying to push them away. And it's amazing how, you know, you give me 20 seconds like that, just being maybe quiet for 20 seconds on the bed, closing my eyes, taking a breath, give me that time. And suddenly the energy will slow down. I can smile and then I can come to my daughter with the energy that I want of like, okay, I get that for whatever reason you want to be a mum right now, but I'm not going to take that personally. How can I help you get to bed here? How can we make this work as well as possible? That's the power of what we're talking about. Helping us make that U-turn from it's your fault, I'm angry, mm-hmm. I'm going to pander, whatever, to okay, actually I'm going to choose who I want to be right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. It does. That's the thing that it just makes sense, right? How parts make sense. And I think one of the reasons we're sharing is we want other people to feel safe to to accept their own parts. Also to feel free yeah. to share. You know, we're going to say how mm. they can share later on, but to feel free to share if they've got parts they're curious about or that they difficult feelings about. Like, everyone's welcome here. Okay. So there's different ways we can experience our parts and there's no right or wrong way. So I'm just going to go through a list of some different kind of ways. And there might even be more that I'm not that I'm not thinking about here. But the first one is thoughts. So parts can come in as thoughts. So like, I'm a bad parent. My partner's not there for me, doesn't love me. My child likes my partner more than me. It can also be racing thoughts. So often if we notice that when we're sitting in the therapy, especially we notice it in our heads or around our heads. Then there's voices. So actually hearing voices, this is not a sign of pathology either. It's very normal that some people hear their thought, their parts as voices. So sometimes it can, it can sound like our parents and sometimes it sounds like ourselves or sometimes it sounds in a different way. But our parts coming through as, as voices is normal too. And then there's feelings. So it can be sadness, anger, something we want, something we don't want, being disgusted, being hurt, being happy, being feeling rage, all these kind of ways. And then sensations. So feeling it in our bodies, tightness and numbness, being dizzy, feeling uneasy 
our hearts racing. It can also be shaking, like our bodies can shake. That's that's a really good sign. Often that's uh, energy released and energy moving in our body, or even our, our body's moving or wanting to move. Often our body wants to move in different ways. And then there's memories, like seeing things from our childhood, different things, something that happened that was really difficult. Sometimes we we don't we didn't really remember this before, but our parts remember it, so they can show it to us or show how important it really was. Where we've been saying, oh, it wasn't that bad, you know. And then there's images. So images are a little bit like memories, but it's not something that actually happened. It's more like something that represents what actually happened. Sometimes I will see a kid that's screaming, often like a little boy that's screaming and just standing with his arms and legs just like really, you know, out to the sides, like kind of freaking out. And of course, that didn't happen to me. And I was never a little boy, but it's a part It's showing me what it was like. And it can also be different it can be lots of different ways. These images it can also be stuff in nature or things like that, or something that looks kind of like a memory, but it's it's not something that actually happened. That's very normal too. And then there's kind of seeing our parts in different ways. Many people see their parts as people, as little children, as old people sometimes. It can be characters. It can be um, seeing ourselves as children. It can be seeing animals and cartoon characters. It can be nature trees. It can also be like, clouds it can be like colors or something really tight or tight knot or it can be more um, like spacious i don't know what the right word is here like kind of energy moving we can see it like that too so these are some of the ways we can experience our parts and there's no wrong or right way to do it and it can also be a mix of them for me it often starts as a physical sensation and when i tap into that then i would often see images things that didn't actually happen but represent something that happened and of course have feelings about it. And sometimes if I get really into it, then I will see inner children. Then I will see parts of me. Mm. Do you have a like, specific way you, you experience no, I, I I think um, thoughts, sometimes images, mm. um, sensations. But likewise, you said, like, and this is to people who, who aren't used to doing this, like you might just notice a thought. <laughs> like it doesn't matter if you don't have all these things, like, it's just getting curious and noticing what's there. And this is also about becoming aware of our bodies. I think with a lot of guys, but not, not just guys, again, we're not really used to noticing what we're feeling in our bodies. Um, That's right. It's part of that challenge. I like the acronym TIMES. Thoughts, mm-hmm. images, memories, emotions, sensations. That's how I remember like the different ways I might experience it. Okay, so we'll do a meditation now. And I want everybody to know that they they don't have to, they can just listen the first time if they want to and see if they want to do it. And only do as much as feels safe for you, as feels right for you. So if you want to have your eyes open or closed, it's totally up to you. Most people like to have their eyes closed, both in meditation and also even in IFS therapy. But there's no right or wrong way to do it. So just notice if you're feeling safe in the room. Of course, if you're driving your car and listening to this, don't close your eyes and don't do the meditation, right? Because you're not going to be present in the outside world the same way, at least. Really notice that and take that seriously. If you're feeling safe in the moment right now, if there's people around you, if you're alone, and you can always do this later. All right, so just take a moment and get comfortable. Just notice yourself. I'm going to assume you're sitting in a chair, but if you're lying down, of course, that's fine too, or standing up even. But just notice yourself as you're sitting there. Notice your feet on the floor. Notice yourself sitting in the chair and your breath. So really just, if you want to close your eyes, do that. Otherwise, lower your gaze or look at a point in front of you, whatever feels right. And just notice your feet. Notice your feet touching the floor and the floor holding you. Yeah, notice your breath. So notice your feet on the floor and notice your legs all the way down from your ankles, all the way up to your knees. And from your knees all the way up, both notice the outside of your legs and notice the inside of your your legs. And just notice your breathing as well. See if it's deep or if it's shallow. And if it's shallow, just notice, would it be okay to deepen it a little bit? And it might not be, that's totally fine too. Just notice if it feels okay to breathe into your stomach, then your body's gonna really like that. 
that relaxes our body to do that. And if it wants to be more shallow, that's totally fine. Just notice it and be aware of it. And then notice yourself sitting in the chair. Just like the floor is holding you, your chair is holding you as well. Maybe there's something to lean into as well. Just notice that and notice your back. All the way from the bottom and all the way up to your shoulders and your shoulder blades. They're carrying so much. Notice your breath. Notice your stomach. Notice your chest. And if it feels right, you can try to send your breath into your stomach. And then send your breath into your chest. And then notice your shoulders and your arms, your underarms. And notice your hands and your fingers all the way out to your fingertips. Notice your throat and your neck, the back of your head, the top of your head, and your face. Notice your forehead, your eyes. See if your eyes can relax just a little bit. Notice your cheeks. Notice your chin and your mouth. Maybe your tongue can be a bit heavy inside of your mouth as well. Notice how that relaxes all the way down. Yeah. And just notice whatever is present for you right now. Maybe you're very distracted. Maybe you keep thinking about something else. And if that's the case, that's totally fine too. Because that's just a part, and that's what we want to notice. It's a part. Maybe there's a feeling present. Maybe there's a sensation. Maybe you feel some restriction in your throat or your chest. Maybe you notice something in your stomach. Whatever you're noticing, just stay with that. Just notice that and notice what else you, you notice about it. Maybe if it's a sensation, is there any feelings going along with that or any thoughts that you notice as well? And really just notice that and notice whatever else you notice about it. Maybe it, if you notice something in your stomach, it might have a shape or a color or a texture. It might have sadness or anger. Just notice that. We're not trying to change anything about it. We're just being with it. And as you're noticing it, take a moment as well to notice how are you feeling towards this part? What's it like for you that it's present right now? Do you feel scared of it? Maybe you hate it. Maybe you wish it would go away. Or maybe you feel an open heart. Maybe you feel compassion or love, maybe some curiosity. Whatever you're noticing, whatever you feel towards it, is totally fine as well. You can't do it wrong. And if you notice some kind of negative emotions towards it or wanting it to go away, that's just another part. And that part is welcome like the first part. It always makes sense when our parts show up. So we'll just welcome that as well. And if you do feel some openness towards the part, or some love, or some compassion, see if you can just send that to the part. Let the part notice that as well. And if any of this feels like too much, just notice that as well and take that seriously. Because we don't want to go too fast here. We want to go slow. And there's nothing you have to feel. There's no way it has to go. So if you feel a little bit overwhelmed, you just open your eyes. Just look around the room and notice your feet. Just notice yourself here. It's really important to know that being slow is the fastest way to do this work. If we do it fast, we're going to get stuck. We're going to get overwhelmed and it's going to take much, much longer. The slower we can be here, the faster we'll get to know ourselves in this way. 
in a respectful way to all of our parts. And sometimes I put my hand on my heart, then I can feel myself more, then I can feel my openness more. Or I put my hand where the where I notice the part, if I notice it in my stomach, for instance, or anywhere else in the body. So just see how that feels, if that feels okay. Or send your breath to it. See what that feels like for the part. And sometimes our parts have stories. Well, our parts always have stories. And sometimes the stories have narratives. Sometimes they have actually something to tell us in different ways. And if that feels okay, you can give the part some time to share with you. And if it doesn't feel okay, then let it know you're going to come back to it if that feels right. We don't want you to get overwhelmed here. And if you want to take some time to just be with your part, to hear this, to hear its story, to just listen or to just notice the part and sit with it, you can always pause us for as long as it takes. So you're not in a hurry here. So really just being slow and being with our parts and, and inviting them to feel us here with them. And if it feels right, let the part know from, the, from you that you're going to get back to it. And maybe it wants to stay where it is now. Maybe it wants to stay in your heart or in your soft belly until you return to it. Whatever feels right. And just really take your time here. Notice yourself in the chair and just slowly get ready to send your attention outwards again. Just slowly open your eyes. Maybe look down a bit if you had them closed. And come back to the room. Notice yourself right now. Notice yourself sitting in the chair or, or lying down. And just maybe have a glass of water when you're ready for that. Take it slow. Because even though you were just sitting here, you still did some work. And it takes some energy. And again, you can pause us if you want to. If you feel like if there's a lot of energy in your body right now, you can shake it off a bit. You can actually shake your hands or shake your body. If you feel a bit numb or sleepy, you can tap yourself. Tap your arms and legs a bit to wake it up a bit. Whatever feels right. And just notice how was that? What was that like for you? And, and maybe how did your parts mainly show up for you? What was it like for you, Joel? Hey, thanks for that. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Like, work out for those muscles. What happened for me, I, um, I don't know if you could see, I was yawning. I was yawning a lot. But it was really, it was really warming as well. Really like, oh, it was like feeling my body for the first time again today. It was it felt really good. But with it came this, this yawning and this, yeah, it was a very, it was all in sensation. And then I noticed, I noticed a part with real, that was really resisting, mm. really resisting going deeper. And, and I was kind of sat with that and I noticed part that felt quite a lot fresh to say something clever <laughs> yeah i have to say something clever now how are you noticing these parts i'm curious about that yeah so as i say that the tie one was this oh well every all the first ones were just this just physical like almost like parts going ah oh, and really yeah. like finally feeling like i was listening to my body so that was all through sensation mm. and i think that was i, I noticed the resistance it was like an, I guess, sort of like an image in my mind of like kind of knocking on the door. It's like knocking on a door and mm -hmm. no one answering, like I couldn't open the door. And that made me curious. Yeah. And then a thought came in like, we're not going in there. That's too much pressure. Like we're going to have to come up with something clever. Yeah. And I just kind of stayed with that. And it's a part I'm familiar with, you know, that feels that can get into a place of feeling it needs to, yeah, it needs to perform Mm. and because of what we were doing if we if this was another setting i got parts that might override that mm. you know but actually i just stayed with it and was kind of curious for the sake yeah. of this exercise so you, so you were curious and that's a self that's a sign of self energy there right 
Yeah, I, I, I brought, I was able to bring some self energy to it, and you, when you, when you talked about all parts being welcome, you said that in a few different ways. That was important because I was initially, I was quite, mm. I felt quite judgmental towards that. I was like, "Don't be here. Yeah. I don't need you right now." Yeah. But you know, what I'm doing. We're doing a podcast. Don't need you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you get the memo? We're recording right now, and then. Um, yeah, and then and so it was like, well, no, it may, actually, it makes sense, doesn't it? That that part might be here mm. right now, and you know, it's a part I've met before, you know, and it's tied to some things around like fears and what happens if we don't perform right when expected to. Mm. And I was just trying to just bring some curiosity and compassion to that part and be like, it's okay, like I'm here, mm. I can speak, I'm going to be able to speak. For this part you've actually done me a great service because now i can share with people that parts like this exist yeah that's right mm. yeah so that was that Thank was me for, sharing. for me i just noticed a part i was like you, you're not doing this good enough <laughs> like i didn't feel i didn't feel like i was present enough and slow enough and i didn't really remember the words i wanted to say you know so mm. it was a bit stumbling on my words so there was a part that was judging that a bit Mm. that's what i noticed beautiful well, and like, very nice to know that that's a part right yeah yeah so i don't just feel shameful about it totally and hopefully that's helpful to people who know who may know what we mean about parts that have high <laughs> expectations of us and we're very used to going with them and beating ourselves up yeah that's right mm. and actually the, the best way to help them soften often is just to just accept and be open to them yeah yeah so maybe for you listening, there was something that was difficult. Maybe something was easy. Sometimes it can take, it can take a bit of time to get, a know, get to know ourselves like this. And there's lots of different meditations by Richard Schwartz and other people, like on both some you can pay for and some on YouTube and stuff like that, that can be really helpful to get to know yourself. So also just noticing that I feel open towards my part, that self-energy, even if it's just a little bit. And if you didn't, that's totally fine and normal too. That happens for all of us as well because we have other parts who have opinions or fears about the parts that come up, right? So just notice what was it like for you and has anything changed for you? Is there something you notice or something you know now that you didn't know before about yourself? So just really sit with that and, of course, write us about it if you want to because we're very curious people. That was kind of it for today. That was a lot of little taste of what IFS is, what it is for parents, and hopefully you have an understanding of how it can be helpful for parents. And we're going to dive into much more details about this stuff in our relationships with our children, how we can help our children too through IFS. Lots of lots of different things. But to kind of sum it up, we all have parts and it always makes sense. It's not always helpful, but it's always a good intention. There's always a meaning behind it. And sometimes it's something old that's not healed yet. And that's very possible to heal it. We have parts and our children have parts. Yeah. And through this understanding of IFS, we can really start to make our parts and our patterns more conscious. So we don't just act it out. So we can actually heal and change the things that we don't want to pass on to our children. And really take back that power and that responsibility for ourselves. Beautiful. And as you say, our children have parts. So we can That's get curious right. about them as well. The same parts exactly. that judge our judge ourselves are often at work judging them. So mm. let's just get curious about that. Yeah, that's really true. And help our children notice their own parts can be very yeah. helpful as well. And in the next two episodes, we're going to do an episode on attachment and get much more into this. This is very related to IFS as well. And then we're going to get into new Danish parenting. It's all about the meaning and how we're with our kids. And there's kind of an old way that we've been taught to do that. And then there's a newer way that's more aligned with what we actually know about kids today and about ourselves. And which IFS is a big part of as well. So that's going to be really interesting too. Yeah. Really write us if you have anything. You can write me on Instagram and uh, you can write Joel on Twitter. Is that right? Yeah. So, so this is to get to, they can write to you on Instagram. They can write to me on Twitter. We're going to put something in the show notes 
about how they can contact us directly here. And you can also leave us a voice message if you want. You might want to share anything coming up for you around this, any questions you've got, any parts you want to share about, and we will come back to you. Please share. We'd love it. Yeah. And likewise, if you've got parts that won't let you, that's all right too. <laughs> yeah, all parts are welcome. All parts are welcome. That's probably a good place to end it. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. That's episode one.